Welcome here to Sports Stars. It's the end of the week and it's the end of the final week, final or final full week of 2020. Not our final podcast, but it's the last curtain raiser of the year. And again, as I mentioned in the shows during the week, because this is our 101st podcast on Sports Stars since we start in July. Thank you very much to all our listeners who have followed us throughout the year. I'm Darren Kelly and it's not our last conversation of the year, but of course my partner in crime here looking ahead to the weekend, Rita Buckley. And Rita, in case of forget to say it later on um merry christmas first and foremost and again thank mm-hmm. you very much for joining us in this journey this year a journey that at times we didn't know if we'd get there but thankfully we are now at the final straight and looking forward to the all Ireland football finals at the weekend many happy returns darren and yeah it's fantastic and um, we're on the home straight to the to the last weekend of the year we had our festival of a hurling slash camogie last weekend and it was thoroughly enjoyable so certainly looking forward to the, the festival of football this weekend on our show today, we'll be looking ahead to Sunday, the intermediate final between Mead and Westmead, and of course, the big match, the TG Carr All-Ireland Football Final, Dublin against Cork. We will be starting the show with Camogie, but of course, for those looking for Rena Super 6 in Camogie, you'll get that at the very end of the show. Of course, we have to keep the suspense going all the way to the finish. But first, and also I should mention, our special guest on today's show, Mead Captain Maura O'Shockensee and Cork's Duran O'Sullivan will be on the show as well and we'll be hearing from them later on but first let's quickly go back to last week as Rena, you just mentioned there the All-Ireland Camogie final a good final and great for Kilkenny they're back top of the mountain Absolutely yeah I thought it was a, a very entertaining game on Saturday evening look I, I tipped Galway before the game I thought Galway would come out on top I thought would, they had enough personnel to do that but you have to give full marks to, to Kilkenny they came up to Dublin I suppose they were after a good win against Cork in the semi-final they came with a game plan and they executed it and they worked very, very hard around the field. And after, I suppose, a couple of bad years in the trot in, in Crow Park, they really, really enjoyed themselves on, on Saturday evening. And it was really obvious just how satisfied they were after the game. And it was, it was lovely to see that. Commiserations to Galway. But, you know, well done to Kilkenny. Um, a job well done. As you mentioned, Eric Kenny, and I was with them afterwards for the post-match interviews that we had in the third half, and you could the elation among them as well. They just wanted to chat. They wanted to enjoy the moment, soak it in, even in this different world with no supporters. They couldn't wait to get home. I missed a few interviews myself because I was enjoying, and I, as a Galway man saying this, I was enjoying the conversation with them. But as you just said, after losing three finals, no team had ever lost four. It really would have probably killed the momentum of these players if Kilkenny hadn't got their hands on the O'Duffy Cup and Absolutely, yeah. Um, I suppose, look, it's amazing, I suppose, what a bit of freshness can do in a management team. Um, like, I, I suppose, look, I don't know the ins and outs of, of, of the team, the management team this year versus last year, but I felt going into the final that maybe they were they were down a couple of players, they were down Edwina Keane, they were down Michelle Quilty, they were down Katie Power. I was kind of saying, how is this management team going to get a performance out of Kilkenny that'll top, you know, what they had last year? But like, they did that, you know, whatever the management did with them or said to them, you know, Kilkenny came out. They probably didn't have an outstanding start. But in the second half, I remember after five minutes in the second half, I said, I think Kilkenny are going are gonna to win this. And they, they came out hammer and tongs in the second half and they worked and they worked and they showed a lot of steel and a lot of bottle and a lot of desire. And they got themselves over the line. You know, you'd be absolutely true for them. We were talking about big names in the game and of course it was new names that really stood out. My own feeling too, Rena, um, and you let me know what you think, is that Kilkenny pulled the rabbit out of the hat with Grace Walsh in the middle of the field and of course they had that determination and hunger in the second half. Well, arguably Galway probably tried to do too much 
to come back to Kenny and maybe that ultimately cost him. Yeah, I suppose, look, before the game, my concern for Galway was um, was was how they'd manage with, um, with, a, with a free player at the back, you know, um, how, how they'd set up tactically. Um, I was wondering, would they leave Sarah Darwin free? No, they didn't leave Sarah. I think it was a Tara Kenny they left free for a lot of the game. But look, I, I think in terms of tactics, I think both teams probably... Um, would have preferred to hold on to the ball a little bit better in terms of, you know, giving away the ball and from their strike passes and so on. But I think Kilkenny probably got the ball into their full forward lane a bit easier than Galway got the ball into their full forward lane. I, th- I thought the two McGraths for, for Galway were very dangerous when they got their hands on the ball, but I just think they didn't get their hands on the ball often enough. And I think Galway struggled in that transition from, from midfield to the, to the full forward lane. Now, at times, Kilkenny, you know, struggled a little bit in their transition from midfield to the forward line, but I think they struggled less. And like you say, around the middle of the field, an area that you you think that Galway would have had the upper hand. Uh, By God, Grace put her hand up there and, you know, she had an outstanding game. She had a good game in Cork in the semi-final as well, but she didn't, you know, she saved her best to last. She had a great final and she had a great impact on on that win. And she she certainly was um, one of the star performers for Kilkenny. And of course, it really what's the appetite again for next year? I know we have a Cork person and a Galway person talking about Kilkenny, but that rivalry will continue and no doubt other counties will step up as well. Congratulations to Kilkenny. Really, the other bit of news before we move to the football, we've talked about this numerous times on the show. Uh, it's officially happening now. The GPA and the WGPA are coming together. And great as well, really, that we saw 100% support for this from the GPA. Absolutely, yeah. So look, it's a it's a... I suppose a topic we kind of touched on last week and um, when we were discussing the Cork and Galway ladies football match and I kind of felt that, you know, from a structure or an organisational point of view, there probably has to be a bit more coordination between the, the GA and the LGFA or the, the Camogie Association between all three as such. So it's fantastic that the players are showing leadership in, in terms of integration between the male and the female. No, you could also argue that they should never have been separate bodies, but right or wrong, you know, they've come together and, you know, it's it's the very obvious move. And, you know, I'm absolutely delighted that, you know, there was such an um, appetite for it within the players' bodies. And please God, that message will filter through to the, you know, to the top level. I think working together without demolishing the ladies' structures, without a doubt. But I think, you know, working together, you know, going forward, I think will make each, each organisation stronger. And please God, we'll see um, some movement in that direction in, in the coming weeks and months. Because as we've discussed too, whatever people's opinions are in regards to the Camogie Association, the LGFA, the GA should join together, I think it's important for the players to be one as well. When we talk in particular about government funding, which has been a key uh, issue brought up over this year as well, sponsorship too, but there's been a great disparity, which hopefully this will lead now to that being made more equal. Without a doubt, yeah. And look, I suppose the, the disparity between the, the government funding in particular was from my point of view, was hugely disappointing. You know, when you're looking for equity between two groups, you nearly want to incentivize the the group that are, you know, probably, you know, not on top. And it actually went the other way in terms of government money. So that was very, very disappointing. But moves like this, you know, will ensure that going forward, you know, incidents like that would become less and less. And, you know, it was great that things like that did get highlighted during the year. You know, my hopes are that we learn from it, we move forward and make sure it doesn't happen again. 
And we certainly hope that's what we're talking about when we look for when we're talking about championships in 2021. We're going to move on now because this is the All Ireland Football Final Special, and there's not one but two big matches taking place in Crow Park on Sunday. We're going to start with the intermediate final in a moment, but first, let's hear from the Mead captain Maura Shockensey talking to Colleen Duffy. I like listening sports says because I like to listen to. Ladies football and ladies camogie. The intermediate grade is, is full of Leinster teams. Um, and, you know, the fact that there's two of them now in the final, it does mean that, that one will go up. So, you know, everyone in intermediate wants to, to get up to senior and to be playing the, the top teams. Um, and I don't think it will be too long before there are a couple of teams up in, in the senior grade um, in Leinster um, and hopefully start being able to, to compete with Dublin. But um, you'd be hoping that the team that does go up this year um, will be really looking forward to a championship with Dublin next year. I suppose, um, Marie, or Mari, you believe that there's obviously a strong belief in both your camp and Westmead that you're worthy of senior status. And, and probably a couple of other teams in the intermediate grade in Leinster feel that as well. It's, it's important um, to have more teams up at senior level, isn't it? To have a competitive Leinster senior championship. Yeah, that's it. I suppose like the last couple of years, it has just been Westmead and, and Dublin in a straight Leinster final. And I don't know if either teams really kind of get the most out out of the the first couple of months of the championship really with just one one competitive game to play. So, um, you know the the provincial championship takes up a good chunk of of the footballing year. So, the more teams that are up at the senior level, the better it is for the sport and just for your team as well. And um, every team wants to be playing at, at the highest grade and um, playing the the best teams in the country. Is this a complete clean slate for yourselves? this year heading into the final is there much talk about the previous two losses heading into the game or is that something that the media really only dwell upon yeah I definitely think it's in the media a lot more and the the third time lucky tagline as well um, like I said it, it each year we've gone out, um, it has been a different mix of players. Like It hasn't been the same 30 players that have, have gone out each year. Um, and like I said, this year as well, we've had new people come into the management fold as well. So, you know, the, the environment is, is totally different to last year. And, you know, you're facing a different team uh, with different, different challenges. So, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone's too caught up on the, the fact that it's, it's our third time back. Um, we just have a, a task in front of us that we want to, to get over the line. Um, and that's all we're really focusing on. We've seen strong goal scoring prowess from both sides heading into this final. How much do you think that's going to be a factor? Defences are obviously going to have to tighten up. I'm sure from your perspective, obviously you got that one right against Clare last time round. While up front you were very effective, but can you see more many goals now coming against Westmeath? Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, they have a very strong defensive setup, so it'll just be about which team is able to to break that down the best on the day. And I think as well the the weather and the elements might play a bit of a part in in how fast of a moving game it is. So, but I think both teams are quite aware the types of players that are able to to get the goals on the day. And I'm sure on both teams they'll be closely watched. So, um, it might not be as as easily got as the previous games for both teams. So that was the Mead captain, Maura Shockensey. Uh, Rena, they've been in the last two finals. Uh, we've talked about some teams losing three in a row. For Mead, you know, if we're talking about momentum, like they really, really want this one. Mead, yeah, absolutely. This this game is, um, geez, it's a really, really hard one to call it. I actually am really, really looking forward to it. 
I, I think you'd nearly have to be in one camp or the other to, to understand who, who really is the favourite in this game. You know, I assume that these teams have been playing challenge matches against each other on a regular basis over the last while. But I mean, they're playing in different divisions. So, so Mead have play, are playing in Division 2, Westmead are playing in Division 1. I suppose Mead have been a top division, or sorry, have been a top intermediate team over the last couple of years. You know, they lost the they lost the final in 2019. They lost to Tipperary, who were very competitive in the senior championship this year. They lost the intermediate final to Mead, or sorry, to Tyrone two years ago. And they lost the semi-final to, to Tipperary again in 2017. So, like, they're a top intermediate team. And, and you know, just looking at them there in the semi-final against, against Clare, you know, they... They have a great brand of football. They're, you know, they're well coached in terms of their their athleticism is excellent. They have a good style of play. So, you know, you know, they're going to be well up for this game and they'll be hoping to, you know, to finally get over the line. They're then a count. You, oh, sorry, go on. But then you look at Westmead and like you'd have to say Westmead, you know, they've been doing very well. They're up in Division One, you know, they're they're a competitive Division One team. I suppose they'll have been hugely disappointed with their with their championship in 2019 that they got relegated. Um, because, like, I suppose in 2018, they would have, they beat Waterford, you know, but they got a, you know, they had a bad loss against Galway and against Cork. So I suppose against the top senior teams, they're under pressure. But, you know, they're mixing it, I suppose, in the in the lower senior teams. No, they've, they've experienced in Division 1. They're playing intermediate this year for the first time in a couple of years. So will they be a better team than Mead? It's, it's very hard to tell, you know. We, I suppose we just have to, to wait and see how the game pans out. Because I was just going to say in regards to Mead, like they were a county that needed to hit the reset button. You would have played against them in the senior championship and given them a right. I remember being in one game where you gave them a right beating in it and they were really struggling. Uh, while Westmead have proven they can handle themselves in the top flight and maybe it might create the argument, should we have more senior teams? That's one for another day. But like, well, as I mentioned about Mead not wanting to lose three finals in a row, Westmead are going to be anxious to get back up straight away. Absolutely, yeah, and they, you know they're in Division One. They want to maintain that Division One status, and they want to, you know, they want to establish themselves as a, as a, as a senior team. And you know, they they've made great strides in the last number of years, and I've no doubt that they'll they'll want to get back up there as quickly as they can. I suppose the one thing about Westmead that gives gives me a bit of worry, a bit of doubt, is they didn't have a very convincing win over Ross Common in the in the semi-finals. So there's certainly question marks about them. Whereas you know, Mead on the other hand, they were you know they they had a great win over Clare in the semi-final and. You know, it was a kind of a, a tight, tight game, but, you know, me dominated them at, you know, at the end and they were just, I suppose, they were, they, there was great cutting in their forwards, you know, they were very efficient up front, you know, so, look, I think me, they're are an excellent team. I'm not, I, I'm not as convinced, I suppose, about Westmead, but I suppose it's a local derby as well. Westmead have the, the experience at a higher level. And so, look, this... <laughs> This could go either way. It's it's a really tough one to call. And before I get you to call it too, as you mentioned there, like Westmead uh, depended on two, I won't say call them fortunate goals, but they were like breaks to get them in that semi-final victory over Roscommon. While Mead, there was a lot of people questioning Mead over their form this year. And all of a sudden against that vibrant Clare team that had a lot of momentum after uh, getting out of the group and they just cut them to shreds. Absolutely. And, and like you'd have to say in, in, in terms of Mead and the, and the game against um, against Clare, in terms of the general play, there wasn't a whole pile in it, but they were just so efficient up front. You know, their forward play was so good. And like, um, sometimes I don't like picking people out of teams, you know, but 
I'd have to give Vicky Wall a mention. She didn't have an excellent semi-final or anything like that, but um, not to her own standards, but any time she got her hands on the ball, you know, she's a serious operator. Um, and, you know, she, she's just so creative up front. And I think she's a massive asset in the, in the Mead camp. But look, I suppose you look at Westmead. I suppose the two players I'd know on the Westmead team, the best would be Fiona Claffey and um, Jenny Maird. They're two players I would have played with in college, actually. And they are top, top players. Um, and I expected to them to, to absolutely shine in, a, in the intermediate final. And I, I'm not sure will Jenny Maher be given a job on Vicky Wall. No, there's much more to me than, than just one player. They'll have to be, you know, you know, they'll have to be organised all over the field. But look, it's, um, it's an enthralling battle. And obviously it's a, it's a local derby. And knowing a few people from up around that neck of the woods, you know, it'll be, um, there'll be a lot of bragging for whoever gets, gets over the line on this one. <laughs> Uh, definitely rivalries too. And just and just before we wrap on this, as you mentioned there with Fiona Claffey as well, we heard from her on Sports Dads Football on Wednesday. Uh, she's down centre back where she could be up against Vicky Wall, but of course you have those attackers from Mead as well to have to be dealt with. And the matchups around that section are going to be crucial too uh, to whoever wins this game. I, look, I suppose, um, look, both teams will have a similar enough style, you know, even Fiona Claffey herself, like um, I suppose it's her... It's our counter-attack it will be what will be so beneficial at centre-back, you know, and Fiona has huge experience with um, Fox Rock Cabantili as well. So, you know, they'll be hoping for a very good game from from, from Fiona Claffey from the off for sure. Uh, I suppose the, the big thing about Mead is that, you know, it's their counter-attack that's that's really, really um, and they have, they have, like, I suppose they have a bit of youth in the team this year as well, I think. They have a couple of, a couple of new players in and they're really dangerous on that on that counter attack. If me, if Westmead can use all their experience and I suppose not get sucked into a position where they're wide open on a counter attack, you know, you know, Westmead are in with a great chance of winning it. But they'll have to use all their experience at, at senior grade. And the question now, Rena, is will all their experience at the senior grade be good enough, or can Mead end their run of losing finals? It's going to be a tight one. I'm not hugely confident in it, but I'm going to give Mead the nod. I think their semi-final over Clare will give them huge confidence going into a final. Whereas when you look at when you look at Westmead, I suppose they're after a bad 20, 2019. Um, you know, they, they lost four of their five league games in 2020. I know they're up division one, but probably in their semi-final, they won it two nine to thirteen points. Wasn't that convincing against Ross Common? I've seen Mead play Ross Common, I've seen them beat them comprehensively so if both teams carry the same form into the final I think Mead will probably get over the line and make that step up to senior Mead is going to be finally be Mead's day according to Rena Buckley and we're looking forward to that quarter past one from Crow Park on Sunday live on TG Car Mead against West Mead in a moment we're going to take a break in a moment we're coming back we're talking about the big one but first let's hear from Cork's Darren O'Sullivan talking to Colleen Duffy I like listening to Sports Dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him Darren Kelly. I could be wrong now, but I think it's 96% um, of the WGPA voted for it and 100% of the GPA uh, voted for the, the two joining. So um, I think it's a huge step forward for us. Um, I can only see positives um, coming from it. In terms of um, facing Dublin yet again, how much of a motivation was last year's semi-final loss to right the wrongs and get back to the final stage uh, for the first time in a few years? Yeah, um, look, anybody who's playing at a high level absolutely hates losing. Um, it's probably what, what drives you on to come back every year. 
Um, so that loss to Dublin last year was hugely disappointing for us. Um, we thought we ticked all the boxes and it just kind of, I suppose, flopped on the day. Um, so I think we, we, we've learned a lot since then. Um, but it definitely is losing is a huge motivating factor for any, any player and team. You talked a few minutes ago about the uh, benefits of winter football and how you've adapted to that. Uh, I suppose the benefit of playing at an empty crow park uh, last uh, weekend or weekend before that, I should say, uh, really will benefit you and give you an extra advantage, I suppose, ahead of facing Dublin in this final. Yeah, um, I suppose the timing of the change wasn't ideal, but now looking back, um, we're absolutely delighted to have gotten to play in Crow Park. Um, I think Emer Coyley, our wing forward, and Erica O'Shea, our wing back, the two girls had never played in Crow Park before, never started. So for them and for the whole team, it was a huge um, advantage and benefit, I think, now going into the final. Um, even just getting obviously to play in Crow Park, um, seeing the dimensions of the pitch and all that, and then definitely just getting to play without a crowd as well, um, seeing what that's like, I think will be um, give us maybe an upper hand. A huge healthy respect has developed between the counties over the years, and I suppose we saw Noel Healy going down to play with Moran Abbey for a while as well. While there's a huge rivalry on the pitch, there's a huge healthy respect there also. Absolutely. Um, we have huge respect for Dublin and um, it works both ways. Um, we play we played them all the way up underage, um, played them at club level and at senior level. Um, I think they're unbelievable footballers um, and they're lovely girls off the pitch as well. Um, I think once you cross the white line, um, people tend to change a small bit, um, but they are lovely girls off the field. Um, as you said, we, the, we had the privilege of having Noel down with us last year um, and just meeting girls at, um, I suppose, all-star events and um, off the field is nice as well. Um, you realise they are, they are like us and they are normal and nice. So I do think, yeah, that respect is always there. Um, but I think it will probably go out the window once uh, the ball is thrown in at half three next weekend. And that was Cork's Darren O'Sullivan ahead of the TG Carr All-Ireland Senior Football Final. Cork against Dublin. Uh, Rena, I'm a Galway man, as I've mentioned already, but when Cork and Dublin come together, you know, you just know fireworks are going to happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I would say it's a game that I, I'm very much looking forward to. And it's, it's an interesting game. I suppose looking at Dublin first, Dublin didn't have a great league campaign. And I suppose they had a group then. They had um, Donegal and Waterford in the group. I thought the, the Dublin-Donegal game was the, you know, the, their first game out in championship. I thought the standard of that game was excellent. I didn't think Dublin looked too convincing in the game, but I just thought the standard of the game was so good that I thought that game would stand to them down the line. Then Dublin went on and they beat Waterford in the, in the next group game. And they weren't hugely convincing in that game. And I was surprised after such a, such a good game against Donegal that they weren't convincing winners over, over Waterford. But I suppose credit to, to Waterford there. They went on in there after beating um, Armagh in the semi-final. And I'd have to say, any doubts I had about Dublin's farm after the semi-final, I kind of put them to bed. I thought they showed huge work rate. I thought they showed a lot of balance in their team. And I think they'll be a very, very hard team to beat in the final. You look at Cork's path to the final, it's a little bit, probably they haven't had the same preparations. You know, they had um, 
they did a good win over Kerry, but I suppose that was very much kind of a local derby match. They did a win over Cavan. I'm not sure how much they found out about themselves in that game. And then the game against Galway was kind of um, an unusual game, if you want to call it that. No, Cork got three good wins, without a doubt. But I'm just not, as you know, I'm, I suppose, I don't know, have we seen the real Cork team play yet this year, you know, with no drama, you know, up against a real tough team. So this is going to be a huge test for Cork. Do I think they've the? Do I think they have a chance in the match? Absolutely. But I suppose to date we've just seen a little bit more from from Dublin. Just when you mentioned Cork there first, and we talk about Dublin in a moment. Of course, we we've already um, spoken in great detail about what happened leading up to that game between themselves and Galway. But Cork, like they were affected as well. They still came out. They scored two seventeen. They put that game to bed very very early against the Galway team that mightn't have been shooting the lights out this year, but were still expected to be knocking on the door. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I think Cork put in a very good display against um, against Galway. Um, I thought they were quite solid in the backs. Um, I thought their midfield did did did, did well. I, I had no complaints. I was worried about the Galway midfield. You know, I was worried about Louise Ward, Olivia Divoli around the middle. But I thought Cork coped very, very well around the middle. And then up front, I thought they were, particularly in the second half, I thought they were quite cutting in the second half in terms of their attacking play. Um, and, and they created a lot of scores in, in the second half when things opened up a little bit. Um, so, uh, look, they'll be pleased and they'll also have been pleased to have got a run out in Crow Park um, before the final. So, look, they'll certainly be looking forward to the game. I suppose a, a concern I have about Cork is, is their substitutes coming in. Um, I'm not sure how much they really have on the bench. I suppose they've Libby Coppinger to come in, I suppose, and, and the players outside that, they've all the farmer, I suppose, to come in as well. Look, I think... On paper, they're looking good. They're a little bit untested to date, but you know, potentially they have they have enough to to get over to get over Dublin. It's a great point there about the bench because um, we've seen Dublin use their bench very, very effectively this year. And even the Colognes coming back the last day and getting that goal against Armagh too. So there's plenty of options for Dublin. And it's it's very hard for either manager to kind of work out exactly how best to try and combat the other team. And But you get the feeling that the two managers, uh, I'll ask you a question with the midfield in a moment, but the two managers might be mainly focused on getting their own game plan right and expressing themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I have to say, I think the two teams are are quite well matched. You know, so certainly each manager will be just looking. You know, they'll 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 select a couple of players that they'll certainly have to keep an eye on. But the main thing in in a final is to get a performance out of your own team. So I mean, each each manager will be attempting to do that from their starting fifteen and then from the subs that come in. The subs that come in are absolutely crucial, especially the way the game is broken up into quarters. No, I think. Um, I, I just think the subs in the last quarter are, are are crucial. They are crucial indeed. Another important point too, because like we've seen Dublin, like as you mentioned, hit form against our man. They got three goals that day. Cork have kept two clean sheets against Kerry and against Galway, which, you know, with Cavan, maybe you could argue they took their eye off the ball. I didn't see the game myself. Do they need to keep a clean sheet against Dublin or definitely keep them down to one goal? I suppose they can't let Dublin outscore them in terms of goals. They don't necessarily have to keep a clean sheet, but if Dublin starts scoring goals, then Cork will have to match them on the goals. 
And when we look at the Cork defence as well, and they've been a solid defence too, even if there's been a lot of changes from the team the last one in Ireland in 2016. Um, I won't ask you about individual matchups. You can throw out one or two if you want yourself, but like we've Roisin Phelan and, and Melissa Duggan, and Ashley Hutchins among the Cork defence. And every day with Dublin, a different player has stepped up, whether it's Carla Rowe, uh, Sinead O'Hur, Lindsay Davy, Noel Healy. Where do you see potential key battles uh, if the Cork defence are going to win overall in, in, in that six against six? Yeah, I suppose a massive battle there will be the battle between Carla Rowe and Melissa Duggan. I think it's key. Carla is a key, key player for, for Dublin. And she tends to perform in the big games. Melissa has been a huge player for Cork over the last couple of years. If Melissa can get Carla going backwards, then that's a huge plus for Cork. And vice versa, if, if Carla can pick off scores off Melissa, it's a huge plus for Dublin. Um, so that's a, that's a massive matchup. I, I think the other matchup, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but I think the other player who's who's crucial for Dublin is Lindsay Davy. She pulls all the strings. So Ashley Hutchins has been number six for, for Cork the last, you know, all season. Um, I'm not sure if Ashley will be the, the woman to mark Lindsay. I mean, I suppose Ashling's greatest asset is her pace. Her pace is phenomenal. You wouldn't want to do sprints next to her, to be honest, right? <laughs> wouldn't be great for confidence. Whether Ashling is the player to mark Lindsay or not, I'm not sure. You know, they might bring Emer Meany out. They might bring Shauna Kelly out. But I, I suppose Noel Healy has to be watched inside in particular as well. So, look, Efi will have a job to do in terms of selecting what who's going to match up to who. But if I was if I was looking at Dublin, I think the two key players to stop are Carla Rowe and Lindsay Davy. A good point on Lindsay Davy as well, because her versatility has been the key one for them and the fear of, of somebody marking her as such as you could pull be pulled out of position so if anything with Lindsay Davy you're probably going to need a mobile person if 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 he does decide to appoint someone to curtail her influence yeah and he might do something like get Mara O'Callaghan come back from midfield and follow her could be something as simple as that you know Mara has great experience of of spoiling players to be honest and it's something she's quite good at so I wouldn't be surprised if Efi did that so, but look, I think if Cork are going to win, they're going to have to negate Lindsay. She she sets up everything for them. I thought she was brilliant against Donegal. I thought she was brilliant against Waterford. I thought she was brilliant against Armagh. She's just having a very, very solid season. Um, so I expect the same from her in the final, to be honest. Flip side then as well, Cork's attack of you know, big names there, and you mentioned likes of Orla Farmer didn't start the last day against Galway. We've heard from Duran O'Sullivan and her influence in the team as well. Saoirse Noonan grabbed headlines at the start of the year. Dublin's defence is full of big names, but they haven't kept a clean sheet. Is this battle potentially the win in this Ireland final? Yeah, um, look, I, I think, you know, we mentioned the two in the, in the Dublin forward line. I think Cork have a, have a very good forward line. But I think if, if Dublin are going to win, they'll have to stop the two Sullivans down the middle. I think they're the, I think they're the game winners for Cork, to be honest. I think that if, if Kiro Sullivan can get, a, I suppose, get on top in that centre forward position, she's the potential to create a lot of scores. She's the potential to do a lot of damage. Um, she mightn't score a lot herself, but she'll, she'll create scores all around her. And if she gets the upper hand at that centre forward position, then Cork are in with a great chance. And it's interesting because I suppose Dublin have had a few switches. I, I expect that they'll put Sinead Goldrick in centre-back to do a job on Kira the next day. So that's going to be a key, key battle. 
she's been a great influencer of games. And of course, you've played, you've played with her too, and she was captain as well and leading the team like that. And the one thing Mick Bowen has in his halfback line between Sinead Goldrick and Siobhan McGrath, he has those options to um, interact them as well. Will Neve Collins be the one to pick up Duran, do you reckon? Because of course, we've Searsha too or Marta Byrne. What way do you reckon that battle will go? I reckon Neve will pick up Linda, or sorry, pick up Duran. Um, I do, I think they'll have a great physical battle. But look, there, I, I look, I've, I've great time for Darren O'Sullivan. I think she's just an exceptional player. She's an exceptionally talented footballer. I just hope she stays stays close enough to goal to be in a scoring range when she gets the when she gets the ball. I felt against Galway in the semi final, she received the ball out the field a lot. She, she kind of went looking for the ball out the field too much, and I think it affected Cork's play. So I think if Darren stays inside, um, I think that's when she's most dangerous. You know, whereas like flip side on the you know on the Dublin team. Like um, Carla Rose is, is good running in. Lindsay Davy is good running in. But I think Darren needs to start on the inside, come out, win it and, and, and score from inside. And it brings me to one more before we move on. This is midfield battle. I said I'd come back to talk about that in a moment. Lauren McGee and Jennifer Dunn have been very, very solid for Dublin this year, uh, as, as have Maura Callan and Hannah Looney too. But uh, between those four players and the extra players that come in around that middle third, like that's going to be a massive battle, especially for Cork if they're going to get the supply into their attack. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was thinking about this over the last couple of days and, Look, I think there. I don't think there'll be much in it between the two midfield pairings. To be honest, I think all four players are. They're all quite similar. They're all strong players, good on the ball. I don't think there's going to be a whole pile in it. Just from a kickout point of view, it will be interesting. Martine O'Brien over the last couple of years has been going very short in her kickouts, um, and I think against Dublin, I think it's really hard to work the ball from your full back line all the way up into the score into a scoring zone. You know, um, so. I do hope that that Martina trusts her trusts her middle eight a little bit more and goes long from time to time. It won't work out all the time, but I think it'll help Cork create scores. Kira Trent against Armagh, you know, she she didn't go short all the time, and they did lose some kickouts. But I think on the on the balance, you know, getting the ball out the field at times a bit quicker, I think that is is probably more effective in terms of creating scores going forward. And I think Kira had a nice balance against against Armagh. And I hope Martina brings that type of a balance in for Cork as well. So, Ari, before I get your prediction, Rina, could we, if, it, of course, it goes that way and Martina does move the ball out towards the middle of the field quickly, could we have a real shootout here? And I suppose the, the second part of the question is, this is the third meeting between these two teams since Dublin took the reins as number one. Could this be the most explosive battle, I suppose, uh, since... Dublin, you serve Cork, I suppose, as the top team in ladies football. Um, yeah, Darren, I think you've, I think you've a fair point there. Yeah. Um, so I suppose Cork won the final in 20, 2016 and the next final was in twenty eighteen, and and I think that Dublin were the better team that day. I think Cork on paper have a, I think a, as nearly as good a team as Dublin in the final on on Sunday. So I do think it's Cork's best chance since twenty eighteen to to get one over on Dublin. And will they? I'd love to say they would, but I think Dublin are the favourites. I think they've just been that little bit more solid. I think they've been that little bit more tested. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to give Dublin the nod. Dublin getting the nod, but of course a final we really can't wait to look forward to. That's at half past three in Crow Park on Sunday, live in TG Carr. Rena, are you going to Crow Park? 
I am. I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> I can see the smile there as well, which goes. And of course, we're really looking forward to the two games as well, as we've mentioned. Rena, thanks a million for that. We're not finished with you yet, but that's our official prediction. The all, TG Carr All-Ireland Football Finals on Sunday. 1.15 meet against Westmead. 3.30 Dublin against Cork. We'll have reaction uh, in the third half next week. We're going back to Camogie for our last segment of the show after this uh, quick break, where Rena is going to name her Super 6 of 2020. I like listening sports dads because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. So welcome back here. We're going wrapping up the show, going back to Camogie now as we, Rena in a moment is going to give us our Super 6 from the 2020 Liberty Insurance All-Ireland Camogie Championships. Rena, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you for the four senior players that have impressed you the most in no particular order, whichever way you want and why, but I'll ask you to hold off from naming your overall winner for just a moment and then we'll go back and get Rena's 2020 Premier Junior Camogie Player of the Year, Intermediate Camogie Player of the Year, and we'll wrap up the show here with Rena Buckley's 2020 Camogie Player of the Year. So I think I've gotten all that right, Rena. So uh, when you're ready, the four senior Camogie players that have impressed you in any particular order and why. No problem, Darren. Um, so this is a tough task. It's something that um, I suppose I, I don't particularly enjoy doing it, but would, look, Darren, I'll do it for you. Um, <laughs> so I went with, I went with um, so the four players for the, for the senior. I've no cart player in this. And the reason is, I think Cork are a very, very balanced team. I don't think there's any standout player and they're a real team. And so I, I actually didn't pick any Cork player. I picked a tip player. I went with Karen Kennedy. I thought she impressed me hugely throughout the whole championship. And I thought she was a game changer for Tipperary. She went up front once or twice and she was really effective. She was really effective from midfield and she was really effective from centre-back. I thought she's after a great season. Um, so Karen Kennedy gets, gets the nod. I picked a Galway player and the player I picked from Galway was, was Ailish O'Reilly. Um, I think she's been hugely consistent for Galway all year, but in particular in the final, I thought when things were going against Galway, she was constantly trying to do the right thing. I thought she gave a great ball into the full forward lane. She probably just didn't get on enough ball to, you know, to change the game enough. Um, I thought she was very consistent in the Tipperary game as well. So for, a, for Galway, I picked Ailish O'Reilly. I picked two Kilkenny players. We mentioned her already. I picked out Grace Walsh. Look, I thought she had a I thought she had a very solid game against Cork in the semi-final. She's had a solid season. But in the final, I thought she was absolutely crucial. So I think Grace, Grace gets gets the nod as, as one of the top four. And the other of the top four I picked was was Claire Phelan. I thought Claire has been hugely consistent for Kilkenny all through the season. I thought she had a fine final. Um, I thought she was very good in the semi-final. Um, and she's everything you'd want in um in a full back and you know um, she she makes the top four as well so just to run through that again Karen Kennedy from Tipperary Ailish Riley from Galway Grace Walsh from Kilkenny and Claire Phelan from Kilkenny they are Rena Buckley senior fantastic four we'll get the overall winner in just a moment now Rena, it's time to name your three players of the year and we'll start with the Premier Junior player of the year thanks Darren so I suppose look big congratulations to Arma. A great year for Ulster Camogie and Ulster Hurling, as it turns out as well. So I suppose with Armagh winning, the, the Donnelly sisters were, you know, they were key to their success. And um, while Kevin are after a huge year as well, I think the nod has to go to an Armagh player. And considering she scored 122 in two, or sorry, in three games, Kira Donnelly has to be the junior player of the year. Kira Donnelly, in Emma's choice. 
uh, unanimous choice as the Premier Junior Player of the Year. And what a final performance she had, if anybody just seen that alone. Right, Rena, that's Premier Junior. It's time now for your Intermediate Player of the Year. Absolutely. And again, there was a lot of contenders for, for this, coming, you know, particularly from, I suppose, the Ulster counties again, and Antrim and Down, the two the two finalists. But I suppose me, the leash, you know, you know, there was good performances from, from some of their players in the in the semi-finals as well. But I suppose, look, she's a player that's been playing intermediate for 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 Down for a number of years. And you know, any any team in the country would, would love to have her. She's she's a great player with great, you know, she's got a superb touch, a great hurling brain, and she does it on the big day. So Neve Mellon has to get the, the nod for intermediate player of the year. And she did drive that down team on the closing stages of the championship too and a wonderful final performance as well. So Kira Donnelly from Armagh is our Premier Junior Player of the Year and Neve Mallon from Down is our Intermediate Player of the Year. Now the drum rolls begin, Rena. Is it Karen Kennedy? Is it Ailish O'Reilly? Is it Grace Walsh? Or is it Claire Phelan, who is Rena Buckley's Senior Camogie Player of 2020? Rena's Senior Player for 2020. I had to go for a defender. I thought she was... Miss consistency all year. I thought she had a very solid semi-final, an extremely solid final. I thought she played out of her skin. She did. She was very good off the ball, very good on the ball, good hurling brain, read the ball well, you know, delivered the ball well. And I thought the senior player of the year was Claire Phelan from Kilkenny. Claire Phelan from Kilkenny is the senior play, Camogie player of 2020 and I had the pleasure of talking to her after the final on Saturday, which you can hear on the third half. Just to recap again, uh, the senior nominees were Karen Kennedy, Ailish Riley, Grace Walsh and the winner, Claire Phelan, Premier Junior Player of the Year, Kira Donnelly from Armagh and the Intermediate Player of the Year, Neve Mallon from Down. Rena, I would like to say personally, thank you very much for joining me on this journey through 2020. Of course, I know we'll be talking to you again next week on the football show but it's been great to um, get an insight into the game too, to talk Camogie to talk football too and the journey that we've gone on from the very start of the championships and the uncertainty that's happened with that and now we're two games away from wrapping up what has proven I suppose to be very successful championship campaigns Absolutely massively successful and I just hope that the, the GA and the Camogie and the ladies football continue with this split season I think it's brilliant for the club player. I think it's brilliant for the county player. And it's 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 brilliant to have the games, you know, that they keep rolling, keep rolling. And it's just hugely enjoyable. So please God, we'll have a split season again next year. And, you know, it's been thoroughly enjoyable for, for 2020. So, you know, more of the same, please God. I 100% echo those sentiments as well in 2021 and hopefully Rena, we get to chat again in some capacity next year sometime but again we'll talk to you again on Wednesday's show but that being said this was the final curtain raiser of 2020 I hope you enjoyed the show we'll have all those details up on social media in a bit too and with that being said I'm Darren Kelly thank you very much and thank you very much Rena. Thanks Darren